moment before you, Lord, and dedicate this event to you. The Holy Spirit, we give you the right to have your way. What could you do in this place with us, Lord? What could you do, Lord? And we offer up our our whole self to you this morning, that you would be lifted up, that you would be honored, that you would be blessed. This is about you. Joel 2, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm, signal on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land shake with fear, for the day of the Lord is about to come. Indeed, it is near. It will be a day of dreadful darkness, a day of foreboding. Storm clouds like blackness spread over the mountains. There's a huge and powerful army coming forth. There has never been anything like it ever before. And there will be nothing like it for the generations to come. Let fire devour everything in their path. A flame blazes behind them. Behind, behind them, there's only a desolate wilderness for nothing escapes them. They look like horses. They charge ahead like war horses. They sound like the chariots rumbling over the mountaintops like the crackling of a blazing fire, a consuming stumble, like the noise of a mighty army that's been drawn up for battle. People writhe in fear when they see them and all their faces turn pale with fright. They charge like warriors. They scale walls like soldiers. Each one proceeds on his course and they do not alter their path. They do not jostle with one another. Each of them marches straight ahead. They burst through the city defenses and they do not break rank. They rush into the city and they scale its walls. They climb up into the houses. They go through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them and the sky reverberates. The sun and the moon grow dark and the stars refuse to shine. The voice of the Lord thunders and he leads his army. Indeed, his warriors are innumerable. Surely his command is carried out. Yes, the day of the Lord is awesome and very terrifying. Who can survive it? Lord, raise up, raise up in this house and on the houses all over this United States, Lord, and even in the, all over the world, Lord, raise up your army. Cause your army to unite, Lord, help us, Lord, not to break rank, but that we be united as one this morning. We pray for the great gathering of your royal family, that we would come together as one. Bring a great unification in this hour. Holy Spirit, bring us together. Cause our families. Cause us to love one another. Cause our pursuit to be you, Lord. That we would honor and we would extol you, give you the blessing and that you are due. And you would come down among us, Lord, and be among us your people, Lord. Amen.
dance on the chains of my circumstance walk on the waves of the storm and I want to dance on the chains of my circumstance walk on the waves of the storm and nothing is impossible for those who believe God is love Nothing is impossible for those who believe God is love I want to dance on the chains of my circumstance Walk on the waves of the storms I want to dance on the chains of my circumstance Walk on the waves of the storm Possible for those who believe that God is love. Nothing is impossible for those who believe that God is love. God is love. God is love. And I won't be Trumpet in Zion, 
Douglas violence and the violent take it by force. Oh, this is no time to sit on the sidelines. No, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. This is no time to sit down, sit down. Oh, stand up, oh church, stand up, oh church. Oh, the trumpet in trumpet God is love oh sound the alarm God is love wasn't in battle when he wrote it. He was actually worshiping the Lord. Praise is our greatest weapon. Oh God, help us, help our unbelief. Oh God, help us, help our unbelief. Oh God, teach us the ways of David. Teach us the ways of David. Help our unbelief, God. Help our unbelief. Oh, teach us the ways of David's tabernacle. Oh, teach us to war. Teach us to war. Oh, why do you boast, O oh man, in your wickedness? God is love, God is love, and I won't be afraid. God is love, and God is love, and nothing is impossible. God is love, and God is love, and I won't be afraid. 
John chapter 4, verse 15, if anyone confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God resides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe that the love of God has in us. God is love. And the one who resides in love resides in God. And God resides in him. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as Jesus is, so also are we in the world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears punishment has not been perfected in love. So listen and hear the word of the Lord. The Lord is not here to punish his saints. Because it says in Hebrews chapter 12 that he disciplines those sons whom he loves. So he brings us into discipline because he loves us. The Lord doesn't punish us. He disciplines us because he loves us. He's a very loving father. If you've ever been punished, you know what that feels like. It's the beatdown. But that's not who our Father is. He's filled with love and tender mercies and kindness. So we don't have to shrink back anymore. You know, when He comes to us with discipline, we can run into the arms of Abba. We can run to Him because there's no more fear. Because everything the Father does is out of love. But because He loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us and He wants to cure us. Not punish us, but He's curing us. So that we would be made more holy. That we'd be made like Him. That we would be conformed to the very image of Christ. See, we don't have to pull back anymore. Because as we worship the Lord this morning, no more punishment. Listen to the ways of the Lord. For I delight in you, says the Lord. You can receive the delight of a father. Let him draw you up near to you. No more ashamed. No more guilt-ridden. It's just free. Oh, we can be free. It was for freedom that Christ came to liberate us out of bondage into the glorious freedom of his son. Yes, we can be free. Let this house be free. Let us, let us have freedom. Let us worship the Lord. No more fear. No more fear. Oh, we delight in you because you delight in us, God. Well, you love us with an everlasting love. Oh, Jesus. Oh, this is the sounding of the alarm on the holy hill of the Lord. Yeah, blow the trumpet in Zion. I'm loved and I'm a lover. Oh, you delight in us, Lord. We don't have to be afraid. Everything, Lord. 
righteousness. He's full of justice. He's full of grace and mercy.
this might be a little bit well here we are it, it could be a little bit awkward sometimes you know in life where you hit that place where you begin to you know you feel everything kind of dipping down and you know here here we are as a family and we're experiencing we experience that and I'm sure you can you experience that moment where you feel a vacancy and you feel this sort of dried out place and um, this happens to us in life. Um, and, I, you know, as you go on with the Lord, you become more and more confident in Him that He's going to meet you there. 
you know, because you begin to build a history with him and you find out that when you hit the bottom, that he's there. Um, this weekend, I just want to make my own public confession. And I, you know, I, it's, like I said, it's a little, it can be a little awkward for me, but I realized something, even in my childhood, that um, personally I was dealing with a lot of, um, you know, feeling not liked and things with a lot of my uh, childhood friends. And, you know, I, I thought that, that it was just me, that I, I basically didn't like myself. And um, I think I spent most of my childhood feeling that way, unliked. Um, so much so that as I became older, it, it became more the loathing of self or the hatred of self. And anytime anybody would ever put their finger on that place, you know, either you run into isolation and fear or you get really mad. And you had to put up your walls because someone just touched a place of pain. And I, um, you know, I think personally I've been dealing with this my whole life. And, you know, it's, you come down to that spot and, and someone touches you there and it hurts. And then you have to fend off around yourself and everybody around because someone touched what Henry Todd calls the, the deep bruise. And, and the Lord, he keeps navigating with us down deeper and deeper and deeper. And some of us will get into isolation and we end up, we end up abusing things in our life. You know, it could be our friends, our family, you know, some get into other kind of abuses and we get in these abuse cycles. Some of us just blow hot mad, lose our temper, get fiery, push out everybody that way. And you know, we, and this is what I love about our corporate time together. We can be vulnerable and authentic here. I want to be as authentic and vulnerable with you as I possibly can be. That, though, I found this great joy. I found him to be so faithful in those places. I know many of you have as well. But he will heal us and bind up our bruises and bind up our broken hearts and heal us there. If we will just keep coming to him and not shrink back. Uh, he can take the patterns of our, even our childhood and begin to reconstitute them and show us that he was there all alone with us. He can begin to wash out our offenses that are based in anger or our isolation based in fear and really, really say, you know, hey, I love you. It would just let him. And many of you have tasted this wonderful, marvelous victory. You know, you that's why I was looking over at Stephen. I just could smile because even as the song of the Lord starts to dip down into a place where you feel that vacancy, I know he's faithful there. And, you know, one of my friends, he's not here this morning, but he says, how, how deep does the rabbit hole go? This eternal aspect of the Godhead who loves us and then the other side of it our pain and sin and and what we were born into many of us really victims really and some perpetrators 
But, 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 but hear the word of the Lord to us this morning. Listen, I, when we were out of our second song, he kept talking to me. He says, hey, I want to bring some healing here this morning. Now I was like, okay, Lord, I don't know how to do that. But he's like, I want to go deeper. You know, many of us, we've traveled, some of you in here, you've traveled the depths of God. But oh, it, Stephen starts singing the deep well, you know, all the depths of the love of God. You know, that Paul could talk about. That, 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 that all the depths of the love of God. We can go deep. I, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to grab hold of him right now in this place. You know, um, Steve Sr., Steve Scroggs Sr. said this to me. He said, there's so much happening in these events, but it's going to take a participation where we reach up and we basically take hold of him. You can have as much of him this morning as you want. If you say, if you, if you allow all the, uh, I'll do it with you. I want to do this with you. If you'll just allow your defenses down this morning, allow yourself to just in yourself, just say, Lord, take me. I want to fly with you. Lord, have your way with me. Man, he'll do it. But we have to, he's such a gentleman. The God, man, is such a gentleman that he will not violate your person. He will stand right here. I think I've blew past him so many times, the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, because of my own inconsideration. But the gentleness of God, that he would be right here with us right now. He's just looking for an opportunity for somebody to just say, have your way with me. I, I want to begin as one of those to you this morning. Go deep down into the pain that hurts. That when somebody touches it, I want them to see you, Lord. I want them to see you. I don't want them to see me and my defense systems anymore. I want them to have you. You'll have to do it. He won't do this part for us because he's so gentle and he's so meek and he's so loving. He will not violate you. He will not force you. He doesn't strong arm us. He doesn't manipulate us. He doesn't try to work an angle for his own benefit. He doesn't keep a record of wrongs. He cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. When he says navigate with repentance, what he's saying is, what he's saying is not like so many have said to bow your head in shame because you did something wrong again. What he's saying is, look at me. And I love you. This is what's wrecked my own life is the very love of God. This is what's messing with me. This is the only reason why I'm up here. Because he, he came in, he did something. 
and all the self-hatred and the self-loathing and the, it, you're like you meet me there and the guilt the guilt from sin and the shame from doing wrong from hurting other people and he says let me intervene let me get in there and love you sometimes it makes us so wild we'll shout it makes us so wild the very love of God we'll dance it makes us so crazy because love is like that it just messes with you you get crazy for love you become a fool for Christ because some somebody finally came in and hit the spot that's been hurting all along. He's not going to take you to the woodshed. For many years, that was my view of God. I'm going to put the beat down on you. No, 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 no. I, I'm going to make you feel bad every time you do something wrong. No. No, when you mess up and when you do wrong and you sin, he's standing there waiting. Just turn to me, says the Lord. You reach out and saw yourself and just do this with me. This morning, let healing come to you this morning. You think, oh no, I've been here many times. No, you haven't. You might have been here, yes, but you haven't been in this time, in this day on uh, February the 21st. You haven't been here today. This is the moment. Don't miss your moment. You don't have to curse anymore when the pain comes. Oh, imagine in the grace of God that so much love of God would pour through us that we can love our neighbor as ourselves. No more defense systems. Oh, we're making it right. Receiving the imparted righteousness of God.
submit to your plan, your creative pattern. We submit, Lord, that you, as person, knows how to. You know what personhood is about. You know how to make a person. You know how to fix a person. We submit to your workmanship. I submit this congregation. We are your workmanship. We submit to your platform. We submit to your idea. submit to your creative genius to your creativity on each one of us this morning listen put your hands out to receive okay listen we're your workmanship Lord in you for good works. You prepared us, Lord, before time, before time even entered in to the equation with us. You prepared these good works for us to walk in beforehand. In the time of the, even the Genesis zero. the blood. 
asking the Lord what he wanted me to share because Carol said I had something to share. And I was led to First Peter. Um, so starting in verse 3. Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told by, told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So the, the key thing that leapt out to me in here is those generations that went past, the prophets of the Old Testament, they were shown things, but they didn't see the fulfillment. It was for us. In 1979, the prophet Bob Jones had a, a, a visionary experience in which God showed him sands of time, and throughout the vision, um, he saw apostles, martyrs, prophets um, of the last two 2,000 years reaching into the sands, pulling out a shoebox, and looking inside the shoebox and, saying, and, and asking, is now the time of the promise, the fulfillment of the promises, and each time the box was empty. Thank you. And then God told Bob, reach into the sand. Bob said, they're all empty, Lord, and God said, no, reach in. So Bob reaches his hand into the sand, pulls out a box, opens it, and there's a note, in, there's, a, there's, a, there's a letter in it, and it says, greetings, you've been drafted into the army of God. And and um, just as the prophets of the Old Testament were shown promises for future generations, so too, since Christ died and res was resurrected, Apostles, prophets, martyrs, missionaries, and also all the, also on have seen in the scriptures the promises of God, but haven't seen the complete fullness of it in their generation. And what what God showed Bob in this this vision was that 
there is a generation that sees the fullness. And, and Bob was shown that it, it is now. It's also reminded me, uh, I'd been listening to uh, Dutch Sheets for a number of weeks, and um, one of the things that he spoke of recently was the all the revivals, like Azusa, the Welsh revival, they, they saw amazing things, but all their prayer and intercession, we stand on their shoulders. We inherit all the promises, all the, the glory of the miracles, the healings, the, the astonishing things that happened there, they didn't see, they, they saw something, they saw a, 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 a time-limited fulfillment, a, or, um, there were limitations in some way, but in our time, God has said, we get to see the fullness of it. into being now. We can declare it into being. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for all the promises that you have spoken through the prophets and, and martyrs and missionaries and people who've gone before us all the way thousands of years. I declare now that now is the time now is the time in these end times as things are coming to a close in a short time that now is the time that we see the army of God raised up it is us it is our children our children's children I declare that echoing the words of Bob we will draw on the warehouses of heaven of miracles miracles that have never been seen before and weapons of warfare that have never been used before in the spirit I declare this over us this is our generation and our children we shall see things that are mind blowing of the prophet is subject to the prophets right and the Lord is interested in making things very sure when we we came into this event today I asked Stephen I said what do you have he said I've been in Jewel 2 all morning and or was that, is that right I say that right okay um, I've been in Jewel 2 and then um, the Holy Spirit just impressed on me to ask Pete um, as he's coming into his office and the prophetic and the prophetic gift that sits on him and um, it's exciting to know that in the middle of this authenticity that we're after in the gospel and Jesus being magnified 
that at the same time the Lord has the prophetic word made more sure. I, I wanted to share with you just a moment, a little bit more context out of what Pete is saying. There's a, with Bob Jones, um, what, what had happened, and in, in he, he had related a vision that he had had, and he said that he had said, the Lord said, come, and I want to show you something else. And, and so he goes on, and he says, I, and, and I, I saw the Lord, and like he was looking at these little yellow things, little round things like the Spirit of God. And he said there were billions of them, and, he, and it was like him and all the angels were looking through these, and every once in a while they'd say, here's an end-time one. And get it on down there at the end. This is this is another good one. I'm, and he said, "Oh, we're collecting those who are foreknown and predestined for the end times. For you will see, uh, they will come forward." And he says, "We're looking through these seeds." And now this this was done back in the early '80s. Okay, this this prophetic word that came out. He says, and you'll see an end generation that's foreknown to predestined to inherit all things. Um, and, and these will be grandchildren to you. Now, Bob went home to be with the Lord back in um, 2014, Feb- actually last week. Uh, it would have been uh, he, on a Valentine's Day. And he said, these will, these will be your grandchildren. And then he says... Um, you will write into their minds and write into their uh, children's minds. You're to bring them to a place to allow my spirit to rule in their life so that they can begin to set the church on its proper foundations as they will. It says, he said that they will birth the church, but their children will attain levels in the Holy spirit that they will not. And although their parents will reign over them, they'll be leaders in the last day's church. I, I just want to say this because when, when Collider was implemented by the Lord, this ministry, um, over the last year or so, when the Lord began to raise this ministry up, he said this will be an end-time ministry. It's not necessarily a last day's ministry. It's an end-time ministry. It, will, it basically is meant to dovetail into the return of Christ. Um, and we're to go all the way with what the Lord has uh, because on this house is a mandate under an apostolic mandate to pioneer for a glorified body. And so years ago when we were receiving this ministry, it was in 2008 when we began receiving this ministry out of six to eight hours a day of prayer before the Lord. He, um, the Lord said, I'm going to raise up an order in Melchizedek. Right. And I didn't know what that meant or anything about it. You know, and it was, and it's a really cool story. And sometimes I'll tell you the story. But he brings this a transcript to me sometime after to bring a confirmation that we were on the right track. Um, that I'm reading to you now. That Pete is referencing. You know, what I'm getting at here is this is so exciting because when you, many of you, have waited on the Lord to bring a a move in your life and you you attended unto him you know for us my wife and I since I left the Air Force is going on 17 years when the Lord started to deal with us and come in dreams and visions and bring this ministry to the forefront so for Pete to say this and Stephen to say this and 
Sometimes you got to hear Stephen's story. It's incredible when he was born and what God did with us. And many of us have been ordained for this by the Lord that we've been brought together. And so he says, um, he said, there's a purpose of the Lord in these seeds that will glorify him above any generation upon the face of the earth. They will move into the supernatural like no one's ever moved in it. And they, they will do biblical signs and wonders. And I don't mean that we seek a sign and wonder. Now hear me, okay? Because it says signs and wonders follow those that believe. It doesn't say if you see a sign and wonder, therefore I'll believe. You got to understand that because people get mixed up on that. He said they themselves will be a generation that are raised up to put death itself under their feet. And they will glorify Christ in every way. The church is raising up the government. And this was a real switch for us coming into this because we, we had, Kara and I, with many, some of you in here, we had church planted nine attempts to launch God's work. This is the 10th. And the Lord said, at this time, when we begin to launch this work, it will be governmental. It's not just related to... It's, it's king and priest. It's not just priest. It has the kingly element because God is interested in the government because he runs the government. He's the, uh, he is a king. Let, let us not forget Tom McManus and I was talking this weekend. He's not, he's not a constitutional monarch like what you see in Europe and Great Britain. He's an absolute monarch of the highest order. Because he actually owns all the land, owns everybody, he owns everything. And he's, that's very offensive to a lot of people because we entitlement doesn't work good with a king. You come into his courts with praise and thanksgiving because he's in charge of everything. And you give him the honor and the glory that he's due. But he's also like, he's a lamb. He's so loving and tender. Um, so it says they will begin to raise up the government. And he is the head of that government. And so the glorious church might be revealed in this day because the Lord Jesus is worthy to be lifted up by the church that comes to the full maturity of God-man. And hey, that's why you've been through trials. That's why we've all been through some stuff following the Lord. Because so that our soul will be completely steadfast and loyal to him. Let us not play games with the king who's about to ruin reign. Every knee's going to bow, tongue's going to confess. He's the Lord of glory. And you know when you get the shakedown inside, I mean, we all experience it. The shakedown of, will I place all my trust in him right now when da-da-da-da's going on in my life? The Lord's looking all over the earth for eye. He has eyes towards faith that says, you're everything to me. And I will not compromise your word. And I will not compromise your value. And that be- he becomes our greatest value. And then he's, so Mike, Mike Bickles in this interview with him, who's the leader, you know, out of Kansas City, AHA, International House of Prayer, Kansas City. I'm, he said, Mike says, I'm going to sum this up real well. 
what you shared with me. He said, I'm going to put it real tight right like this, he says. The Lord took him to this beach before an ocean, and the beach spoke of the sands of time, which Pete's referencing. The ocean spoke of the nations in all of world history. And he saw these men, and they put their hand in the sand. They pulled out a box, and they were empty. And then a little bit later, another guy did, and it was empty. And a little bit later, another guy, and it was empty. Another did, and it was empty. And Bob said... The Lord said to Bob, you do it right there. And Bob said, Lord, they've all put their hands into empty boxes. And they came up empty-handed. Now, you know this story. He's saying that the reformers were the guys putting their hand. He's talking about like um, it was um, John Wesley and it was uh, Calvin. And it was, um, I think he mentioned, it might have mentioned D.L. Moody. Um, and I think he mentioned... Luther, and he said they were like warning this because when they when they saw the vision of what God was going to do in the end times, they wanted to be in that. What you and I are in right now, and what what is being referenced out of Peter, what he's reading, this great cloud of witnesses is looking down and saying, "Oh man, I wish I could be in the middle of that." What you and I are in the end. They're like all the glories of Jesus on the end time church poured out in power. Oh, they were longing for what you and I are getting the privilege to walk in right now. This great end time army being raised up by the Lord of a uh, radiant bride filled with the delight of a father. They, they had, all our brothers and sisters had pioneered the heavenly way to get us to get us into position for such a time as this. You know, they're cheering us on. They're saying, do it, do it, do it. Run, 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 don't give up. Oh man, I stumbled in sin again. Get up, get up, get up. Come on, come on, far away. Let the Holy Ghost fire come down on you and get renewed and don't give up, don't give up. They're cheering us on. They're, they're, they're the champions of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, championing us right now. And he said, they came up empty-handed, many of these reformers, and why should I do it? The Lord, the Lord said this to Bob, he said, why should I do it? He said, put your hand in there, and he pulls out a box full of draft notices for an end-time army. I'm military trained, you know, so this, and I'm not, if, if you're not military trained, but man, uh, military man, if someone's like, we're pulling a draft, we're like, go, I'm ready. You know, and you don't have to be military to be that way, but man, that's the whole idea. Give me my gun. Let me charge the hill. I'm going to die. You know, that's the kind of nature that we have. And we, the Christian church are to have the same kind of nature. We're an army. It's like, oh. You got an assignment for me? Give me an assignment. Give me, give me something to do. Give me some orders. Now remember when our orders would all come down for us in the service, it's like, yeah, my commander wants me to do this, I'm on it. Boom, put me in. I'm, hey buddy, you're my buddy, we're buddies. Okay, let's go do this thing. You know, that was kind of the way I was. I don't know how you are. But um, 3,000 enlisted notices go out, 300,000. And he said, uh, he's going to send them out across the nations in this gener next generation. And 300,000, it would be the main leadership over 1 billion converts on the earth. He said, I'll cause 300,000 to bear a distinct anointing of leadership over 1 billion. 
300,000 sounds like a lot of leaders, but a billion is a thousand million. And it's calculated, that means three anointed vessels would lead, listen to this, 10,000 people. Three leaders for 10,000. You know, our assignment here is to get a hundred remnant together. Then the Lord says he's going to, what? Convert 10,000. That's three for every 10,000. That's a, that's a pretty big responsibility. I mean, I was in commands where my commander, he's Lieutenant Colonel. He, he ever, he would oversee 500 men. It's, it's a really, it's a big deal to put three over 10,000. You know, that's a lot of responsibility. Anyways, he said, it'll be like Gideon's army, 300 for 300,000. There'll be an apostolic anointing with signs and wonders and a special measure of the spirit for this leadership. Yeah, he looks back and he said past generations like John Wesley, Charles Finney, Martin Luther. They thought it was their generation that was a chosen generation. And every time they pulled up their hands, it came up empty because their generation, there's only one generation that's going to enter into what all the others had in power. They thought it was theirs, but it wasn't. Put it in your hand in here, 300,000 from out of the sands of time. He said that they will not only have the word of God in them, that's the foundation, which is the apostolic and prophetic mantle, but they will have the word of God of them with power with the word. And I, I, I can tell you this, the Lord will not hand his power off to anybody that's going to abuse it. He just won't do it. He's, it's, it'll corrupt you. He doesn't want his power to be used, especially. That's why many of us have been in such severe trials and tests. Because the Lord cannot entrust that level of power to someone who will look at it and take it as their own. He said, and the barrenness of the church will be over the foundation of the church and it will be raised up. The walls will be raised up and a glorious church will begin to birth. And it will take another 15 to 20 years. Now, this was in, 80, in, the, in the 80s. He says, 82, I think it was. I think it was the year Carol was born, or it was a year. He said that... Um, 15 to 20 years for some of you to even get into any maturity. There will be uh, neither male nor female in this. There will be maturity. What God is seeking, and he'll be raising the saints up to that level. Now listen, first he will bring in the five-fold ministry. And this is what really, this is what really struck me. When the Lord brought this document to me out of like nowhere, because I wasn't like searching for it. After we received MZ Hop, which we had that church going for a decade, Melchizedek House of Prayer. Listen to what he says. He said, first till fivefold will come forth, then a ministry after the fivefold is coming forth. The Melchizedek Priesthood. man, I remember in 08, I was sitting there in prayer and I was like, what? 82, Bob's saying this. And I just was pacing the floor in there. I remember that day, a guy, he said, can I come pray with you? I was going to seminary with him. His name was Aaron Buchanan. And I said, sure. He said, I was like, be there at 6 a.m. I start prayer at 6 a.m. at this church that we were at. And we, we turn off, we just turned on two little lights in the sanctuary and we start pacing the floor. Because I left my career 
to fly jet aircraft. And I'm like, if I'm going to be that dedicated to fly, I'm going to be this dedicated to the Lord. I don't care what it costs. 6 a.m. in the morning, we're pacing the forward airs, Aaron Buchanan, and we're walking past each other. His eyes get big around our saucers, and he goes, <gasps> and I was like, yep, now you know what I'm saying when you pray, because he enters into relation with the Lord that morning. And that morning, the Lord said to me, like internal audible, he says, Melchizedek, Melchizedek, Melchizedek house of prayer. And um, I mean, Kara and I, we're running right on the edge of everything. We, because we don't know where our finances are going to come from. We don't know anything. We're just like, we'll do whatever you say, Lord. And he, I go sit down with Aaron. He's on my left. We're sitting on a front pew. And he's like, man, I'm into this, man. I'm into praying. I was like, yeah. Isn't it crazy? I was like, the Lord just boom. And you're just like, ah. And you're just like, oh, you know. Who is this? He's like, it's another world. And I was like, yeah, you, you're like knocked unconscious because we used to do that to our friends. Don't do that. But we used to do that when I was a kid. We'd knock each other unconscious on purpose. And then you wake up and you lose your memory. And it was the weirdest thing. But don't do that because some people don't recover very well from that. I had a friend, 15 minutes later, he recovered and it scared the living daylights out of us. He became a Wolverine for, anyways. <laughs> Anyways, it's like prayer was like being knocked unconscious and going into another realm. Kind of like C.S. Lewis's Narnia. And then you're like, oh, who knew? I was just doing life. And then next thing you know, boom. And I, man, I would tell all of you, go get in, go get in a place with God, man. Go, go get along with him. Go, go get along with him. And wait on him and attend to him. Man, you talk about, I thought, spinning aircraft out of the air. We put we put our aircraft in intentional spins at 10,000 feet and recover them at 5,000 because I love the thrill of about to die. And, uh, our, you know, 10,000 feet, intentional spin, you lose lift, she throws her out. You have to recover by 5,000 or jump out of the airplane with a parachute on your back. And that thrill. But, man, there is nothing like being with him nothing if you just go wait on him and Aaron's sitting there and all of a sudden it hits me the Aaronic order and the Melchizedek order it just kind of like I was like oh Leviticus 9 you know there's an Aaronic order a priesthood and there was a Melchizedek order he's like yes it's the new priesthood it's where husband and wife love one another <laughs> it's where the union of male and female, it's where the union of bond and free, it's where the union of Jew and Gentile, it's the union of the ages, it's the greatest, it's where the bond of peace comes into your soul and you love. It's a, it's a, it's a relationship of a father who delights in a son and a daughter. And you just get, you get hooked is what happened to me. If God was a drug, I was completely hooked off prayer. I was like, all right, aircraft for me, maybe it was idolatry, whatever, but man, to hook up to the, to go to the Lord, man, he's everything. Anyways, are y'all convinced that I'm convinced that he's like, whatever. <laughs> and yeah, trials come. Yes, hardship comes. Yes, adversity comes. Yes, Kara and I got hit with everything possible. Yeah, 
and we still go through a lot of stuff. Yeah, but man, it's like, all right, cut me again, Lord, and put another engrafted word and sign up again, right? And anyways, I was sitting there and he's like, a Melchizedek priesthood is coming forward post fivefold. Because the Lord is after the maturity of us and the maturity of the saints. The fivefold, bless the fivefold. I believe in the fivefold. I'm a part of the fivefold, but there is a path beyond fivefold into full maturity. There's a path into him where you know that you're loved by the Father. (laughs) Oh man, it's glorious. He says, you that are here now, you'll be moving in fivefold ministries but your children will be moving in the ministries what he called a perfection. What he means there is the full maturity. They're coming into the divine nature of Jesus. There is a purpose and it takes a while. You've got to get out of religion. Austin was sharing with me this morning, you know, so many people probably are broken hearted because we're looking for leadership in the church that's not into religion anymore and they're into Jesus, you know. And it's broke so many people's hearts because they're like, oh man, when push comes to shove, they still choose themselves or they choose whatever, whatever, whatever. Name a billion different things, but they don't choose him. You know, it takes a while, man. You got to get religion out. You know, religion basically says, if I do these things, I'll finally get approval. That's religion. Another way to say religion is you climb this mountain, you'll finally get to God. God came down the mountain for us. That's the gospel. That's a beautiful thing right there. You don't have to climb the mountain. He came down to save us from our sins and loves us. Hey, if I do these 10 things, will you finally like me? That's religion. Jesus says, all been satisfied at the cross. I love you and I delight in you. Now repent and come to me. You got to get that out of us. So the next generation came into warfare, and many, you know, I would say that was probably some of our parents and family, some of us have been in the warfare. To start to take the promised land and take up a generation. But there is a generation coming, and especially you children that are in here, but also all of you that are young at heart, that are ready to possess the promises of God. Because I don't believe there's an age on this. I believe it's a, it's a wisdom and it's a tenderness of heart. Well, my 84-year-old spiritual grandfather, Pop Winters, had more youth in him than I've seen some 20-year-olds have. Because it is not age-dependent. It's heart-dependent. It's not rebellion. It's humility. And hey, and it may be ignorance, but God can deal with ignorance. He just doesn't want us to get into rebellion against him. He wants us just to turn our hearts to him. He loves humility for the humble will receive grace from him. So he said that the next 10 to 15 years of that time, there will be new orders coming in the body. But he said, our children will be the kings and priests of peace and not of wars. And they will go beyond where a lot of us are. I wasn't planning on that this morning. I just wanted to share that with you because I want to encourage you 
that many of you are taking up a draft notice and you take serious the mark of God that's on your life. That you wouldn't play games with the Lord's rewards and you would prize heaven above everything this world has to offer. Will the Lord bless you in this earth? Yes. Will he take care of you and your family? Yes. But does he want you to prize him more precious than anything this world has to offer? Absolutely. Put him first. Put him first in everything. Make him your Lord. Make sure that you are placing him as your highest, highest, highest mandate. Put him first. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Amen. Let's take an offering this morning and, uh, and just bless the Lord in the, just the opportunity to give today. Lord, we thank you for blessing our families. We thank you for the blessing of finance. We thank you, Lord, that you take care of all of our needs. And Lord, we thank you for the principle of sowing and reaping, that every time we sow and we pay tithe, we get protection. When we sow above, you, you take that, Lord, and you, you turn what the little bit that we bring forward into way more than what we could have actually done with our own physical hands. I thank you, Lord, for that principle in our economy so that we could operate with your economics, Lord, the economy, Lord, that brings blessing and fruit. And I thank you for this house. I pray, Lord, that no one will shrink back in the area of sowing. That you, you gave us the water, you gave us the seed, you gave us the dirt, you gave us everything else that we need. All we need to do is put our seed in the ground and tend it. And Lord, I just pray that this revelation will fall deeper and deeper on our understanding, our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you as you give. No, I have this love. I've contained my life in emptiness In this hollow heart only you knew But you chose to love These earthen vessels Fill us with you To break us into You came to earth as earth and bread Broken for the dead when you died Three days it passed
Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Let's um, let's stand together and turn to Luke chapter two. <clears throat> This morning we begin, or we will be in verse 36. And we will read through verse 40. I, if, if, I don't know what versions you use, and I know this can throw some people. I'm using the NET, which is a New English translation. I, the reason why I've used this translation is because it'll give uh, me some Greek and Hebrew explanation. And so if you if you use your phones and things, um, you can select up NET and it'll be together. Otherwise, you know, if you have your Bible, uh, just read along. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old having been married to her husband for seven years until his death, and she had lived as a widow since then for 84 years. She never left the temple, worshiping with and fasting prayer night and day. At that moment, she came up to them and began to give thanks to God and to speak about the child to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So when Joseph and Mary had performed everything according to the law of God, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and favor of God was upon him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word, Lord, this morning. Thank you that you authorize scripture to transform us and to awaken us. I pray for unction to preach this morning that this passage will fill us with light, that we will know you deeper. Jesus, I ask you for your anointing that would be strong and penetrate us even in our our hearing, Lord, and in our sight. I pray that our eyes would be illuminated, that we will not sleep the sleep of death. As, as Anna had waited on you, that we would wait on you and that we would understand in depth what you are saying to us this morning. May you be glorified and lifted up in this um, sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There was a prophet named Anna who had, who was there with Simeon. And you remember, if you were with us last week in the text, Simeon waiting on the consolation of Israel. And Simeon had given himself to the Lord and was there to see through this, to the circumcision of the Lord. And we, we understood something last week that when, when God begins to move in our life, he'll oftentimes put us in a season of tarrying, a season of waiting. And that, that many times, especially in relation to this age that we're living in, because everything is so fast paced and we got to have what we got to have now. And we got to make it happen that this really long term waiting like this really flies in the face of of our culture and the mentality of our day. You know, um, some of the greatest cathedrals that were ever built in Europe, they took, they took the work, the workers over a hundred years to build. 
Some of the greatest architecture that you'll ever look at has 100-year legacy sitting in it. Sometimes 150 years, you imagine stone cutters, woodworkers, masons, you know, all the different trades that would build something of that kind of capacity and they would put all this energy into it and you're like telling your boy, you know, hey son, I'm coming up on 70. Daddy doesn't know if he can keep on going like he's been going. You know, maybe he's much a man. He's been carrying stone. He's been, you know, cutting it. He's, hey, son, I'm going to need you to get ready because I'm going to have to clap, you know, pop you out. We haven't even been able to forget, uh, finish what daddy even began. And you see some of the greatest works that have ever been done. They're two to three generation works uh, in those cathedrals. That son... And then the the the, dad, the the granddaddy's sitting there in his chair, you know, he's been run through. He's telling his grandson, "Well, come over here and sit, let me uh, put you on my lap and let me talk to you about son, grandson, what you're going to do." Usually, anything in life that has real substance to it took time. Yeah, you, you know, you're remind, I'm, I'm reminded of God didn't think it a small thing to take Moses, prince of Egypt, at the age of 40, in his prime. 40 years old, he's still got some of your strength, maybe not as much as some of you 20, 20 plus year olds or 30 year olds, but 40 year old, I'm in my 40s, you know, still can throw a little something around, throw a little weight around, can deal with some stuff, you know, takes Moses in his prime. You're going to the backside of the wilderness to Horeb. I got a work I'm going to do in you. Doesn't think it's strange to leave Joshua and um, Caleb while all their brothers and sisters and family members and all their friends and stuff die like carcasses in the wilderness. Doesn't think it's strange to leave them up into their 80s. Moses is going to actually start his ministry at 80. He's going to last 40 more years and then he can't take any more. Lord's like, God, get out, man. He's, he's getting mad. It's like, those guys, man. I can't take it anymore. This kind of leadership's driving me crazy. 80, 80 years old to 120, and the Lord's like, Moses, I really want you to inherit the promises. But, man, you struck at the rock again, and you didn't do what I told you to. And he's like, these people, you know. Oh. They don't think it anything strange to take a... Someone in their prime and put them 40 years into training. 80 years old. I think Caleb was 84, if I'm right. I think he was the same age as Anna here in the Bible. Well, there's, there's kind of a difference of age here, and I just want to address this. Some people believe that Anna was approximately 105 in this text, and I just want to present that. And also, possibly she was 84. The text kind of leads us to believe it's one or the other, because it says she had been eight, 84 years widowed. That's a long time to be in one place waiting on one promise. 
How many of you in here are over 84 years of age? <laughs> My son tells me, Leander comes up to me, he said, happy 88th birthday, Dad. I said, yeah, 88. Because I, I have this idea that you got to live 365 years to actually see glorification. Okay, that's... That's just an idea because of Enoch, you know, and I'm like, 88, man, one-third of the way there, like 277 years to go. This thing's on. Thank you, son, for clarifying. But I'm actually 45, but still. But some of us, you know, you might say, yeah, I've lived beyond my years. (laughs) I've been through some stuff. And some of you really do have the wisdom of that. But no one in this, under the sound of my voice, is in the natural has lived 84 years. Uh, My grandmother's not here with us this morning, but she's 88. And you you think, you know, when you're coming coming into your prime, I mean, many people, what is the average lifespan of man? What is it right now? I think they just said it dropped a year. I think I read that. Is it 71 now? That's the average lifespan of man. God says that he'll give man 70 to 80 years. If you live beyond 80 years, like that's really like the Lord's keeping you here for a reason. You need to really perk your ears up, right? 84 years of age waiting on one promise. And we're just like, the ATM on Biltmore Avenue's broke. I don't know what I'm going to do today. You know, it's just like, how are we going to make it? You know, this thing didn't work out this week. What are we going to do about it? I don't know, man. My whole life's coming unglued. <laughs> you know, God doesn't think it a small thing. And that, that can scare some of you in here. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I went to work at the Charlotte Air National Guard. And all the guys I was working with, they're all retiring out. And it drove me crazy, man. I could not listen to those guys. I'm just like, would y'all please... Y'all are like talking about dying. And he's like, no, man, I've been working all these years. Finally got the check and I'm going to get the check and I'm going to like retire out. And I'm like, ah, please don't talk like that. You know. Our ideas of our life every day and maybe the way the Lord looks at it, because the scripture says one day is as what? A thousand years to the Lord. I believe in this text this morning that what we get here, and I think that what the Lord is really trying to get us to see is that this woman who's called a prophetess, she's in there before the Lord, I believe, like speaking to the Lord, Declaring the word of the Lord back to the Lord. Uh, in the Greek, we call that homo legeo. It means, homo means same, legeo means word. It means to say the same thing. She's prophesying to the word of the Lord, a deliverer's coming. He's going to rescue our people from their sins. She's saying it back and forth to the Lord all these years. She's from the tribe of Asher. She's very old. And she's a widow. She's alone. Um, the Holy Spirit highlighted this to me. I just looked at the text just a minute ago. Uh, Penul. 
How many of you know where that, that, that word is used in the, in the word of God? Anybody know? Where, Janie? Genesis chapter, do you know? Okay. That's good. Thank you. Where, what is that story of Penuel where, or Peniel? Where is that? What's going on? Who's that about? Thank you, Janie. Ja- Thank you. Uh, Jacob wrestling with God, right? Do you know that story of that, that Jacob? You know that story? Some of us really know that story. <laughs> the Lord called you Jacob. Anybody had the Lord call you Jacob? Ah, please don't do that, Lord. <laughs> Jacob means surplanter. Jacob means thief. Jacob means I'm trying to get an edge on everything. Jacob's a mama's boy. Jacob stays in the kitchen too long. (laughs) Jacob doesn't go out to hunt. Jacob's not like a man's man. Jacob wants an inheritance and he'll do whatever it takes to get it. Jacob's kind of effeminate. Man, it's quiet now. Jacob understands this so well that when the mighty hunter Esau's out there in the wilderness trying to figure out how he's going to get something to eat, Jacob's like, I'll cook you a meal. I know how to cook. I've been with mama. A lot of people wouldn't like Jacob. Again, Jacob's a corner cutter. Jacob might case your house out. (laughs) Because Jacob, he sees something he wants and he's going to get it whatever manipulative way he has to, right? But God's got his hand on Jacob. God sees him. Jacob's going to have some encounters with the Lord. He's... He's going to be the man that God's going to use to raise up an entire nation. Jacob, the corn and cutting, thieving, rascal mama's boy, sissy pants. God doesn't see like we see. The Lord saw something in Jacob, and I, I say this because in the background of saying that she's her daddy, what... Her daddy's name was Peniel. It was telling us something of really the history that goes on inside of man. Man who, man who has said something is very, very important because uh, Peniel means face of God. Um, in the Asher, when you study about Asher, Asher is the idea of the one who brings forth the pleasant food. You see the picture here. We extract the text out of Anna's life, maybe what had been going on in her life. Daddy, from the tribe of Asher, daddy's name, Peniel. It throws us back to Genesis 28 through 32, even up to 35, this wrestling match.
Man, what, that story, I can't even do it justice this morning. It would take me five hours to preach to you on Jacob. And you're not ready maybe to hear five hours of preaching on one man. But I, 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 I implore you to dig deep into his life. Jacob had had his wages changed by his father-in-law, Laban, how many times? Ten. Thank you. Ten times he had his wages changed. Ten times. Any of y'all, any of y'all ever had anybody change your wages? They decide to pay you this amount, but then they don't pay you that much, and then they rip you off or whatever. Has that ever happened to anybody? Anybody ever tried to go to work and someone doesn't see your value and you try to get things done and then next thing you know they don't give you what they said they had to do? Has that ever happened to anybody in here? Ten times. Ten times that man rips him off. Says, you're going to get to marry that girl. And she's, she's not as good looking. I'm going to promise you that girl, she's really good looking, but that was not so good looking. I'm going to give you her, Leah, and then... You know, then he finds it out, and then, it's, then he has Rachel. Fourteen years he's working for those two girls. And then six more years he's having to, 20 years Jacob spends out there with Laban. And God doesn't think it's strange to leave that guy out there going through struggle and everything. The Lord doesn't think it's strange or to, to leave him at that kind of point. I, he's going to deal with him. He's going to get Jacob out of him. He's going to get that guy out of him. It, it all kind of comes up at Peniel. And I'm, I feel bad because I'm like, in my mind, I'm skipping so much information for you. And I just can't do it right now. But so much information comes up to a wrestling match. It's so funny because Jacob puts Leah and her children a little bit closer back to him, puts Rachel even further back to protect her. <laughs> he is a really a rascal, man. I remember when I read that, I was like, he don't like Leah that much. He doesn't care because Esau is coming to threaten him. He don't care as much about Leah and her kids as he does about Rachel and her kids. He puts his best investment in the back. She's got Joseph and Benjamin. He comes up to this wrestling match at at this place called Jabbok, which is a play on words in Hebrew, the place that you cross over. And he begins to wrestle with an angel that night. And many believe this, I, I do too, that that was a pre-incarnate Christ. That was the Lord himself wrestling with Jacob. And he asked him a question. It, he says, what is your name? What is your name, Jacob? You know, he doesn't say Jacob. Listen, you got to hear me this morning because this, 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 what we're saying here is so important. I, I think in my own life, what I'm about to say to you is probably one of the most important things I can ever say to a person. So many times in life, so, so much is going on when pressure starts to come around us. And things start to come in on us. And the truth is really needing to come out. 
we so much, we, we say, well, it's their fault that I act like this, or it's, it's, a, it's a, my past, my mom and daddy did this to me, or uh, this, this happened to me, and uh, pointing a finger in every single direction, and, 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 and saying all these things is what's caused me to do whatever I'm doing. And one of the, the thing to me that penile means and what we're getting at here about Anna in this place of prayer and in this place of, uh, of uh, waiting is this um, authenticity. When God begins to come into our life and intervene into our life and say, what is your name? You know, here we are in the, uh, what is this place called? The why am I, right? <laughs> you ever thought of it like that? Rafi brought that up at a prayer meeting. Why am I? Or who am I? And we come up to this existential question in our head and we start to ask this question and the Lord is saying, who are you? And well, I'm this, I, I relate to this, you know, this is who I am. I'll tell you who I am. And <clears throat> And the Lord, with Jacob at Peniel and with Anna, I'm sure, in this temple, he's, what he's doing is he's drawing us out. He's drawing us out with a, a real confession. Your greatest breakthrough in your life is, is related to the truth of your confession. You don't have to isolate yourself from him. Um, you don't have to blame everybody anymore. What is your name? He's, he finally says, uh, Jacob. I don't want to confess my sin. <laughs> I don't want to say what's really going on here. I, I want to get away from it. I want to go and, you know, turn in another direction. I, I want to say that somebody else caused me to be this way. Or I, I, do, I, want, to, I want to get into uh, to that in this way. And the Lord said, my face is looking on you. I, I want you to know the depths of my love and the interchange of, of you expressing back to me who, the, who you are. The radicalness of this is a, this has been one of the greatest things that ever happened to me personally in my life is when the true confession finally comes out. I don't have to run and hide anymore. It's like, what is your name? My name is Sir Planter. <laughs> Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did wrong. A woman at the well. Nobody does that. I mean, really, does everybody want their stuff aired out in the laundry, put out in front of everybody? No, but come see the man who delights in me in the middle of, I've had five husbands. He's not even your husband. Come and see the man when I experience his delight, I can confess all. No more wrestling. No more safeguarding myself. No more when you put pressure on my wound, I somehow got a boom, I blow up at you or anything. No, it's just this simple thing. This is who I am. Oh, I love what happens at Peniel because God says this to him. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob. Your confession, this is what's going on in this temple with Anna pacing the floor. Your confession is the, is the moment of your greatest breakthrough. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but as Israel. For now I take you out of your bondage and slavery to Laban. 
and I'll call you a prince. For you have wrestled with God and with man and have come into a place of prevailing faith. Oh, to have our name changed. This is Anna. This is, this is what was happening. This is why her daddy's name was Peniel or Penuel. They had a revelation in their family of the face of God. They had a revelation of one that looked down into their very soul and the light and glory of his light looking down into them caused them to respond back to him with truth. And then he says, out of that truth and confession, I will make you new. No more running and hiding, uh, family of God. No more having to obfuscate the truth anymore. I know how you feel. You feel like I do. If I finally come out and say what's really going on, they're not going to like me anymore. They're going to hate me. You know what? People will. I just want to go ahead and warn you. People will. They'll shun you. They'll treat you bad. But he won't. He won't do that to you when you come off right. He won't treat you like that. He'll let you He'll let you just come up to him and you can get right up on his knee. He'll put you on his leg. I love this about where I love his presence. I can run to him time and time again in my, my sin and my wrong. I can say, God, I'm sorry I did wrong. He's like, come up here and let me dandle you on my knee. <laughs> What you think that a 45-year-old man doesn't need to sit on the knee of father? Listen, you need this just as much as I do to be delighted in it from a father, to be longed for, for someone to notice you. We need this consideration. Every single one of us is crying out for it. Don't tell me a lie. We all want it. We want someone to care about us. We want someone to love us. Every single one of us in this room is made that way. Would someone just pay me a little bit of attention? You know what she got? She got, a, she got something because of this. She couldn't leave the temple. Now, she found the one she loves. She's like, I'm going to worship and fast and prayer night and day. This is the whole presupposition behind night and day prayer in the spirit of the tabernacle of David, that we would have an Anna's heart. That, that, because they worship him right now at the throne night and day. Out in Kansas City, International House of Prayer, they've had 24-7 going there for 20-something years, night and day worship and intercession because they came to understand something. The transformation of the soul in relationship to God, the, to be delighted in him by, as father and to know that we're loved by him. Stephen, if you'll come forward, I'm going to close. She came to them and she began to give thanks. Thanks. Listen, hear me out. When you're in the waiting, saints of God... Begin to praise him. Every transformation you will ever see with the Lord will come. And I mentioned this last week with Simeon because he did the same thing. When you 
I'm, I'm saying you feel the vacancy. You don't know if he's going to show up. It doesn't look like it's going to work out. You feel exposed. Begin to praise him. I mean, say, I don't care what it looks like. I don't, my sin, I confessed it to him. I did everything that I know, and I'm going to stand, and I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to praise you. You want to talk about the great transformation? It comes out of a thankful heart. It, 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 it's amazing. Every transformation I've ever seen personally is on the back end of a praise. It's like you forgot what your problem was and boop, he shows up again. You're like, how in the world did you do that? Thank you, Lord. I thank you. You loved me when I was unlovable. When I acted in a way I shouldn't, you were still there for me. You still care about me and I'm just going to thank you today. Yeah, but they're saying this about me and I feel this way. I feel condemned and all this stuff and all this stuff. And he's like, hey, 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 put your hands up and praise me. As you get into a condition of heart that says, uh, it doesn't matter anymore what they say or I've said or my mama said, my daddy said, if it all hurt me and stuff, forget it. I've, I found one who delights in me. Let's stand together. I'll pick up with this next week, even though we read it this morning. But just as a little cliffhanger or whatever you call it when they put make, make a hook on the sermon, okay? Joseph and Mary have performed everything according to the law. They weren't breaking the law of the Lord. And they returned to Galilee in a little town called Nazareth. You got you to gotta get this. A king has just been born, okay? He's God, man. He's king. He actually had made all those people that are in there holding him. <laughs> He's so humble. He's so humble. He's so humble. Him and his father had planned out that he's going to go to Nazareth after this. You, you know what Nazareth is? people's mind in that day socially socioeconomically it was it was like tenement housing you know we use this kind of language today it, it, it was the broken down trailer part that's what Nazareth was to everybody it, you know a redneck everybody's a redneck to somebody isn't that true I mean, we're not supposed to treat each other that way. Don't get me wrong, but God changes it. Listen, in this realm, there's a changing of the name, and then this don't make a lick of sense. You changed my name, and then you sent me to there. I thought it was supposed to be bling bling. I thought it was supposed to be the big tip, rocking up, whatever. And the Lord sends them to tenement housing. Hey, right now, don't get me wrong. The Lord's sitting enthroned right now in the realms of glory. He has gold and silver. He has everything. He don't give a flip about any of that. He cares about his inheritance being found in us. 
but he has everything. He owns everything. He owns all the land. He owns this whole county and every other county in North Carolina, the whole United States of America, and every other nation and country owns all of it, and he's loaded. Don't, don't get this wrong, but the first place Jesus goes after being receiving his humility is just impeccable. Like he doesn't go to like show off. He goes right to a place that nobody wants to be seen with anybody else. You know how you have that one uncle or that one aunt or that one person that doesn't do what's right in your family. <laughs> you know, and they kind of embarrass everybody. That's Jesus. That's where he was hanging out. Every, I, I heard a preacher say this this week, and I love this. Every time you see a demonstration of power with Jesus, you always see him go straight to meekness and humility of heart. You never see him go from power, okay, let's get all our buddies together and build a real power base now. No, you see him go straight back to humility. They said, we're going to force you to be a king. He said, he put him away, said, hey, 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 hey. He said, um, I know what's in man's hearts. You're not forcing me to be a king. Every time. He said, don't tell anybody about that miracle I just did. Don't tell anybody. The guy, the rich young ruler said, you're good. He don't call me good. I only call my father good. You see this? He always points away from himself. God can trust him because he didn't count a robbery to be equal to God, but he made himself of no reputation. He came in the form and likeness of man, humbled himself. That's what his text is about today. We want to engage in the face of God, engage in the humble, humble king, engage in humility. I, I maybe say is I, I want to be like you, Lord. I want to have a face-to-face with you, Lord. Look in the eyes of mercy and grace and the love and kindness of our Savior. Look at me. Quit, quit running away from me. Just come to me. Let me change your name. Yeah, but everybody knows me this way. I've already blew it. I've done all these things I shouldn't have done. Come to me, the Lord says. Let me be and let me have you. Oh, man. I don't know about you. I've been a Christian since I was 17. I had to sign up for this every day. (laughs) This message is every, it's eternal. It isn't like, oh, I got saved one day and that's it. This is every day. I'm signing up again. Lord, we're signing up again to love you. We're signing up again to say, change me. We're signing up again to be made uh, union in you. We want you, Lord. While Stephen plays, just come forward and and, uh, receive the elements and then go back to your seats and we'll take communion together.
its light If your mouth is dry body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me and he said this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me Jesus for this gathering, for this event, for this moment in our life where we can come together. Thank you for the transformation of being able to peer into your face and to see how you, your emotions and how you feel and who you are. I pray you bless this people this morning. Bless them with a deeper sense of who you are for them. Bless their families, Lord. 
And may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you today.